everyone. My name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my husband Frank is back on the podcast and we're talking about the movie The Kissing Booth. Hey Frank. Hi. Thanks for doing this once again. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. <laughs> Same here. Okay, so a few things before we start. This movie was released in May of 2018. It's directed by Vince Marcello. It's written by Vince Marcello, and it's based on a book written by Beth Riekels. It stars Joey King, Joel Courtney, Jacob Alordi, and Molly Ringwald. I have no idea who any of those people except Molly Ringwald are. <laughs> the IMDb.com summary is, a high school student is forced to confront her secret crush at a kissing booth. It has a 6.0 on IMDb, and since this is a Netflix film, there's no box office numbers. However... I did find that according to Netflix, one in three viewers of the film have rewatched it, which is 30% higher than the average movie rewatch rate on Netflix. And apparently, according to the CCO or COO, it says here CCO, I don't know what that is. The CCO called it one of the most watched movies in the country and maybe in the world. I don't know who the CCO is. <laughs> I don't, I don't really want to trust them. All right, so Frank, what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? The first time that I watched it, I think I would give it like a 6.3. Oh, wow. Okay. The second time I watched it, which was two nights ago, yeah, I'd give it maybe a 5.4. So I'm going to average it out. It's probably in the high fives. I can't really do math right now. Wow. Okay. That's actually a little higher than I thought you were going to go. I'm coming in at a 5. Oh, Okay. All right. <laughs> so I think to date, this movie has the lowest rating for me on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to hashing this movie out with you. Okay. So you are the one who chose to discuss this film this time around. I did. And I'm surprised at myself. Tell me, tell me more. So the movie the first time around was good enough that it made me want or willing to watch the second one when it came out. There was definitely something there that made me feel like it was worth trying to understand what would happen next. Hang on. There was a sequel, The Kissing Booth 2, that came out, I think, in the summer of 2020. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to put that out there. Yes. I guess you wouldn't really be listening to this podcast if you didn't know <laughs> that there was a second Kissing Booth movie. That's fair. I wanted to tackle this movie because usually we, the two of us, do not talk about new movies. It's only the, the older movies that we have some sort of memory about. And Netflix comes out with rom-coms every month now, especially during the holiday season. So it felt like the right thing to do to have a conversation about something that's a little bit more modern as opposed to some of the stuff that we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I will say that I'm a little surprised that you wanted to talk about this movie given the very long list of rom-coms to choose from, but I'm grateful to have you to talk about any movie. So I was trying to recall the first time I saw this movie and I'm, I enjoyed it. I think I really liked it actually the first time around. I think I, if I were to come in at a rating after the first time, it'd probably be like a mid six. Okay. But after seeing it a few times at this point and then really thinking about this movie, it falls to a five. It's kind of a fun movie to have on in the background. There's not a whole lot of messages I think this movie's trying to say. It's light on themes. It's very light on themes. But I will say though that the more times I've rewatched it, I enjoy it less and less. 
I think the first time I was expecting some kind of twist in that maybe Lee. Exactly. Who's played by Joel Courtney is the one who actually likes Elle, who's played by Joey King. But that doesn't happen. There's no twist in this film at all. It's pretty straightforward. So I think once you get over that... Suspense? Yeah, sure. That suspense, it loses some kind of thrill or fun. I agree with you. And it's it's a bit of a movie that I am loving hating. There's mm. definitely a bit of a love-hate relationship here. So it's actually more of a WTF as opposed to a hate. I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Hate's a very strong word. It's more of a incredulity. <laughs> incredulity. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what we like about this movie. Shall I go first? Please. I think it's a feel-good kind of movie. It's a teen rom-com. And there are elements of, you know, coming into your own skin, confidence, and being true to yourself. Those are very positive messages, and I, I feel like more of that should make their way into to movies. It's just a fun movie to hate or look at in retrospect and think to yourself, what were they thinking? Who wrote this? When you read out the names of the, the writer-director, I realized they're one and the same. That explains a lot. Mm. Maybe there was something charming about this movie the first time, but I actually can't remember it at all anymore. But it there, just like left your brain it after left. you watched. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's all I got. That's oh, all the good things that I can it. think of. Okay. All right. Okay. I agree with you with everything you just said. It's feel good. It's fun to hate. I actually think that Joey King, when she was doing press for the second movie, I think she was asked a question like, I forget the line of questioning, but she was basically saying, it doesn't matter if this film is quote unquote bad. People will still turn on their TVs at home and watch it because it's so silly and fun. You don't have to think a lot. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Jane the the Virgin and the telenovelas. (laughs) These are... Ridiculous plot lines. Uh Uh-huh. And the twists and turns, the writing, it's just like, I can't even. But you you just take all of that and you throw it out the window. You are giving Jane the Virgin a disservice (laughs) by comparing this movie to that show. That show is a great show. And I don't think you've seen all of it. You're right. I've only watched bits and pieces of the first and second But I think I hear what you're saying, that it's very out there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's almost like you have to suspend reality for a bit to really enjoy this totally but i want to just double down and say jane the virgin (laughs) is a great show and it tackles a lot of real issues i take that back (laughs) i'm so i'm sorry i did not mean to offend jane the virgin so a few things i like about this movie joey king you said that you don't know who she is but i think you do actually so she's in white house down she plays channing tatum's daughter okay okay you're right you're right and i might blow your mind with this one She's in The Dark Knight. What? She plays Raz al Ghul's daughter, but she's the young daughter. In the pit? In the pit. Out. She's the one trying to climb out of the pit. Really? Yeah. She probably was very young when she did that. She probably, she had a shaved head. You know, she doesn't look the same as she does in this movie, but it's one and the same. Joey King. Okay. All right. Sorry. I, I yeah, I didn't read up on yeah. that. But I like her. I like her as an actress, and I think she's very refreshing and very, uh, yeah, I just like the person that she is off camera as well. I will say she's one of the bright spots of this movie in the after credits scenes or mm-hmm. stuff like that. She's very she's very playful, and she seems like a, like a great person. So <laughs> Yes. 
<laughs> but the character of Elle, I have not a love-hate with her, but I will say that I like that she seems to be, like, comfortable in her own skin. She doesn't really shy away from who she is. I do like the friendship between Lee and Elle. There are some, you know, problematic points in this friendship, but I do appreciate their closeness and that I kind of like that there is no romance in this friendship. There's no, it's very clear that like Lee is not into Elle and Elle is not into Lee. Let's unpack this. Oh, okay. Because this is something that I, I thought about when I watched the second time. There's way too much on-screen chemistry for this not to have transpired into a love triangle. Mm. Like I, I like what you, you said about the fact that they didn't choose to turn this into a, a twist ending where the best friend is actually in love with the female protagonist. Mm -hmm. I like that. But the way that it, it was acted, like there was just too much glimmer in, in Lee's eyes. I didn't buy the fact that he was totally into his new girlfriend who I, I don't know what her name is. Her name is Rachel. Rachel. I feel like there was still a possibility at the end when they went upstairs to, to the house, inside mm. of the house on their birthday, that something was going to happen. And it's because there was too much chemistry. There was more chemistry between those two, like eating ice cream and doing sit-ups, than there was between Elle and uh, the brother... Noah. Noah. Interesting. I don't know if I had those thoughts, but they definitely have way more screen time than Elle and Noah do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like that Elle is focused on mending the friendship as a priority before she decides to pursue Noah. I agree. That ending part did speak to me in terms of the sequence of thoughts that she went through. Yeah. And I like that ultimately at the end, she does kind of stand up to Lee and being like, I want you to be my friend. I love you. But just because you're my best friend, that doesn't give you the right to tell me who I can and cannot love. It's almost as if communication was the thing that would fix everything. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I just wanted to shout out DDR because... um yeah, when was the last time we saw DDR in, like, in life? That was a moment, Frank. Were you not in the DDR craze? I, you, have you seen me try to dance? <laughs> That's about as how... Have you ever DDR'd? Yeah, I've DDR'd both on, like, the arcade version as well as the pads that you would have at home that they would always bend and, like, go out of shape yeah. so you couldn't actually feel where you were stepping. I've never seen you DDR. You don't need to. I would love to, though. I think it'd be really fun for me. Um, okay, so this might have more points to talk about, but what didn't you like about this movie? The plot is totally stupid. It's a kissing booth. <laughs> like, I didn't even know those were real. I thought those were like things from the 1920s or something like that. Mm -hmm. At this point in our society's history... I feel like there's too many things wrong with the concept of a kissing Absolutely. booth. Absolutely. I agree. I don't think kissing booths are a real thing that is practiced today. So actually in my episode, She's the Man, that I did with John, there's a whole scene of with the kissing booth. Oh, there is. And John and I talked at length about WTF kissing booth. Like, this is not a thing. Oh, maybe that But is... I defended this movie because I said the twist that this movie has is that the person manning the booth is blindfolded. So there's a little bit of a twist. That's worse. But now that I've fully sat down and rewatched this movie and thought about it, I agree. Kissing booth should be locked up and thrown away forever. Do you agree that the blindfold makes it worse? I actually thought it made it better. 
because at least if you're the person paying to kiss, then the person can't see you. Yes. They would treat you more fairly. They can see how either attractive you are or not attractive you are. There's You've taken away some of the fear. And I think that cheapens the experience. For, for whatever the experience is worth, right? $5 apparently. For $5, right? What you're getting is purely physical. You have... You get zero emotional reward out of this other than the jeering from the crowd about how the reaction from the crowd. Yeah. And the reason why I think the blindfold piece is worse is because the person that is manning the booth or responsible for getting people are paying to kiss, Mm -hmm. they can't consent. You don't know who's coming. You can't say no. I agree. If you are the blindfolded person, it's way worse for that person. Yes. But if you are the person paying for the kiss... There's a little bit more relief, I think. I agree. But if you're quote-unquote manning the booth, I think inherently you have given consent to kiss anybody, which is... you. I don't think you can. I think in today's definition of consent, it is impossible to give consent. I just don't think if you, if you are blindfolded and you're on stage, you don't know what you're signing up for, right? You think you know. There's a universe of possibilities that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But until something comes that you don't imagine, you can't even say no. What if a 50-year-old man comes and you're blindfolded and you think it's one of your classmates? You think, right? I understand. This I understand. Ex- okay. The whole point of the kissing booth is very, very WTF. But in the realm of this movie, I feel like there have been boundaries set in place. You have to be a student at the school to to be paying for this kiss. But the kissing booth is actually part of my WTFs. It's not something I don't like because I think we have to suspend a lot of reality already going into this film. But continue, please. I can suspend belief for now. We can talk about that as as WTFs. Mm -hmm. I can't tell if this is something I don't like or if it's something that's just a a WTF. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that there are so many WTFs turns it into something that maybe I, I can't like as much as... I'm nodding emphatically because, yes, I literally wrote this down as a bullet point as well as what I don't like, is that there are so many WTFs. I wrote that in all caps. Yeah, I think it is kind of hard to reconcile because if there are just a few WTFs, it makes it more believable. Digestible. Yeah. Digestible, easier to follow along with. But yeah, there's so many. I'm really looking forward to breaking down those WTFs with you. Okay, I can hold there for now, and uh, maybe you can give some thoughts. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts on what I don't like about this movie. (laughs) One, there are so many problematic parts of this movie. Okay, so in full Frank form, I have a 1A, B, and C, okay? I love it. So Elle, at the beginning of the movie, she's violated for not dressing according to her school dress code, correct? Tuppin hits her... Woman, her lady bump. Her lady bump. That is sexual assault. You go to jail. Okay, that's for high, sc- it, high school yes. jail. You go, to, you go to high school jail. So that's that's one A, but I have a sub A, I guess, is that she decides to go out with him. I know. <laughs> because he writes her a note. Yeah, this is just not okay. Like so many things, so many problematic parts. And then 1B is that there's a conversation in the beginning between Noah and Elle. And Noah's like, oh, you can't dress like that to school. Like, you're asking for it. And, and he kind of recovers a little bit. Kind of. And then grins. Yeah, but it's like, what was the point of that conversation? It just I, I don't know. Yeah, it bothered me. 
I maybe was trying to show like he's protective, but at the same time, he's sensitive enough to understand the climate of the culture. Right. But this seems so dated, quote unquote. You know, this came out in 2018. Like it's so one thing I wrote down here is that it doesn't age well. It didn't age well the day it came out. Yes. I just didn't know where to include that statement. <laughs> um, and then I guess my one C in terms of problematic parts of this movie is that just the character of Noah, I have a little bit of a hard time kind of liking him as a character. I think he's the, the actor Jacob Alordi. Sure, he's beautiful. He's tall. He's ripped. But also, side note, no high school senior looks like that. Okay. Everybody in the movie is 28 years old. <laughs> he's actually 23 today. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so he's just overdeveloped. He's 23 today, and Joey King is 21 today. Fine. I take that point back. I hear you about his character, though. He's very violent. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. He's violent. (laughs) Yes, you did. To the point where his brother Lee actually thinks that Noah might have hit Elle. Like, yikes. They just kind of skipped over that a little bit. Like, they talked about the fact that he's angry and that he's quote-unquote wired that way and that he's seen therapists, but it's also just it's like it's okay it's like yeah he's the most popular guy in school he's allowed to beat up i guess tuppence his friend he beats up his friends Mm -hmm. all the time and he says he doesn't start fights he just finishes them smirk these are not this is not okay yeah and i'm not gonna pile on yet we will get more to (laughs) noah's character later okay um and then one other thing about noah is that he's just very controlling of l you know, in the sense that he's telling boys to not ask her out on dates. He's like, cover yourself up, you know, leave the locker room, L, blah, blah, blah. All these things. But I guess we forgive him because we've come to realize that he actually has had feelings for her. That's why he's quote unquote controlling. But either way, there's a healthier way to establish those kinds of feelings for someone. But I get it. But I just don't think that I am actually attracted to the character of Noah because of just all these problems. I agree. It's frustrating Mm -hmm. that they portray him as this problematic character. And yet he still remains the most popular person at school. Yeah. Okay, so other things I don't like. In addition to being problematic, there's just so many cringy parts. And I think that we've kind of touched on them a little bit. Like the kissing booth scenes. Like just I didn't need to see the close-ups of those teenagers making out. The OMG girls... What were they? Yeah. They were supposed to be the mean girls from Mean Girls. The plastics. The plastics. Yeah. Very confused about the role they play in this movie. The three of them, they just really want to make out with Noah. It also feels like they shouldn't be so needy, right? If they're supposed to be the plastics, Mm -hmm. then people should be worshipping them. Agree. Yes. They should be on Noah's status. Right. Because I think Elle is likable like she's not bullied at school she doesn't seem like at the bottom of the food chain she seems to be like very self-aware and where she stands in her social ranks at school but yeah why are the omg girls going to her even though like yes she has this family relationship with noah but like if these are the most popular and hot girls in school then yeah i just don't get their arc the overall student body and the mm-hmm. construction of the characters in the student body, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. This is something that maybe we'll get to in uh, you know a later part where we... Maybe we should just touch on this now. Sure. Do we identify with these characters in any way? And I'm going to just speak about the overall student body. Absolutely not. This is the most spoiled 
homogenous group of privileged individuals mm -hmm. who somehow have no con actual conflict in their student body. Everybody across multiple grades parties together, drinks alcohol on a public California beach. <laughs> yes. They're all playing volleyball and everyone just gets along and all of them attend the same party, like seniors, yeah. juniors, whatever, mm -hmm. and they all jump into Noah's pool. Everyone's on the same status level, right. generally speaking, which is the most unrealistic part of this. Mm -hmm. You don't get to be equal in high school. There's no such thing as as, mm -hmm. as that high school experience. I agree with you. That was actually one of my WTFs is that, I mean, there's a lot of things that you said that I could also just further unpack, but we can save that again for later. One final thing I didn't like about this movie is that I wish there was more girl power of a message. And I think that there was an opportunity for this movie to have that, but we see Elle, she is the protagonist of the story. However, I feel like all the actions and decisions she makes are based on what she thinks Lee and Noah want her to do. Oh. I feel like she doesn't have any ownership of her own actions. Huh. I didn't think this deeply about it. You're right. What about the ending part where she says her piece or states her piece to Yeah, to I guess that's the one thing that she finally does. But it was it seemed like it was, she was coming to a breaking point at that mm -hmm. point to be able to say her piece. But I feel like I could have used more of that girl power message. The only part where I think she expresses, I wouldn't call it girl power, but she totally just flips the script on, on Noah in the, was it the boys locker room? Yeah. And she like takes off her clothes or some, something along those lines. And she's like expressing her sexuality willingly. And also I find it weird that someone whose body just went through a, a very quick change that prior summer is immediately so confident in, mm, in their skin. That's a really good point too. But still, like that should not be the the limit of the type of empowerment that you would want to show. There should be other ways right. of demonstrating that. Right, not just physical or sexual power, which is great that she has that confidence to do so. But I also think that she does it just to spite Noah. Like I don't know if she's wanting to flaunt her body to flaunt her body. I think she's doing it to like make oh. Noah mad. So okay. Again, not really her own agency, if you will. Okay. Okay, so we mentioned that there's not a lot of themes in this movie, but let's try to break some down if you've gotten any. Can we use tropes as themes as well? Because they're so, we're so light on yeah. themes. Do whatever you want. Noah, the guy who has everything and can get anything, wants the one thing that is off limits. Hmm. Well, following up on that, I wonder if Noah knows like rule number nine, which is relatives are off limits. Since they made up those rules when they were six, yeah. I'm guessing he did not participate. Probably not. So yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is not a trope. This is, uh, I don't know what I was thinking about when I wrote this down, but rules that were established when you were six years old shouldn't be applicable at all at any point in your life. <laughs> and I think they're trying to make a statement about constitutional interpretation. Oh, what is this statement of constitutional interpretation? Just because the founding fathers wrote specific words in the constitution doesn't mean you need to follow them in 2021. So, wow, I, that's a little bit of a reach, but I, don't, I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, let's just give the writer a little <laughs> bit more credit than they deserve. But I would think that if you're six, you might want to revisit those rules. Who you are when you're six and who you are when you're, I don't know how old they're supposed to be, 16. 
Yeah, you ice know. cream doesn't fix everything. Yeah. The rules just made me think of Wedding Crashers. Oh, that's... I don't know why I didn't make that association, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The other thing is that I think this movie really... What's the word? Recycles a lot of tropes from very prominent rom-coms. Like, the rules for me was Wedding Crashers. Uh-huh. Elle dancing on top of the table drunk was Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About oh, You. Oh, okay. And, like, the plastics, or the OMG girls, or the plastics for Mean Girls. Like, there's just a lot of... Nothing really new here, which is not a problem necessarily, but... Hold on, hold on. What if we are totally <laughs> thinking about this movie incorrectly? Oh, boy. What if this is actually a really well-made version of Not Another Teen Movie? So, confession, I've never seen Not Another Teen Movie. I've never really seen the... What's the word? The parodies? Of oh, the scary movie type yeah. things? No, I don't think so. I Maybe? mean, I'm joking, but... <laughs> That's what it feels like. Continue. The communication part, the misunderstanding, the source of all the friction is because she doesn't tell Lee up front. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that leads to so many other WTF moments where it's like, obviously, just you spent the entire school year hiding something from your best friend. Somehow he's knee deep in Rachel and doesn't notice that you're hanging around his house all the time without her actually hanging out with you, mm-hmm. like, just talk to him. Yeah. He's supposed to be, like, your closest... You were born on the same day. Yeah. At the same time, apparently, too. Yeah. I have a WTF about that. What, their mothers were best friends. What was the situation there where they actually ended up in, you know, same day? Was there a party? Was there, like... Some sort of swinging happening that I don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> is is Elle's dad really Elle's dad, or is it the? Wow. Is, are they related? You're trying to find uh, a little bit more drama in this movie. I need I need the, I need the additional drama to make this interesting. I agree. Forbidden romance was a theme or a trope. Hmm. Didn't really have anything to add on to that. And then the other concept of following your head or following your heart. Following her head is by abiding by the rules. Following by her heart is finally being able to tell Lee, like, listen, I love Noah and I want to be with him. I see. I'm sorry if that hurts you, but if you're my friend, you'll be happy for me. Fair enough. Okay, so favorite scene. Hit me. The driving in the rain motorcycle scene. OMG, you've got to be kidding me. That is one of the cringiest scenes. I... It was so cheesy with such a very obvious CGI background and uh-huh. Noah like flinging his hair, like wiping the, the rain from his hair. <laughs> He's wearing a helmet. Whatever. I can't, I don't even, I don't even remember. Okay. It's just, I couldn't stop laughing. There's only one driving scene in recent memory that was as obviously CGI. And that is Denzel Washington driving a car <laughs> up a freeway ramp in the little things. And I get it. If you pay Denzel, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto so much money that you ran out of funds for the CGI budget, I get it. That's fine. You can look stupid driving that car up the ramp, Denzel. You're still great. But this movie has no excuses. (laughs) Joey King starred in three movies before this. One of them was The Dark Knight when she was two, four? I don't know. I think she was more than... Yes. And then you have these other people who... I, I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. You have budget. Pay for some rain. 
Sorry. I, wanna... I think there was real rain. I think it was just maybe poor acting. It just was very over the top. I, I also laughed at that scene. It was just like, oh, wow. Okay. But when you say favorite scene, I say that's my favorite scene because I go back to what are the things that I love to hate on in this movie? Mm. And this is definitely one of those where I find joy in talking about how bad it is. Yeah. And maybe it was just another way to see Jacob Elordi with a very, very wet t-shirt clinging to his washboard abs. Fine. Um, I don't really have a favorite scene. I kind of was trying to remember if I LOL'd like harder than any other scene and I couldn't come up with one. And I, my throwaway for this is just the scenes with Molly Ringwald, question mark. Like, I don't really feel good about this decision either. Like, they're not good scenes, but I appreciate her as like 80s rom-com queen being part of this movie. And that's all I got. They were also not cringeworthy. I feel like any scene that had Molly Ringwald in it was supposed to be like a touching moment or like a sentimental yes. situation. Yes. And so it didn't feel as cheesy because they were actually trying to act and, you know, communicate something. Maybe that's why those were my favorite scenes is because she's kind of the heart of the movie, if you will. Mm. She's the one who has the callbacks to Elle's mom. And, you know, I love like a parent-child touching moment. Mm -hmm. So that's why. That's it for me. Okay. We have come to the WTF moments. So these are the plot holes and the most unrealistic moments, which we've touched on a lot already. But I know that there are so many in this movie, so I think we should just lean into it and have fun with it. We've touched on so many of them already. There might not be as many left here that we haven't already covered. Do you want to start? What do Lee and Noah's parents do for a living? You mentioned the big home. I just want to double down on this because this is so outrageous. Their home is freaking huge. I bet you he manages the Harvard Endowment Fund. Because how else <laughs> does this guy, Noah who Elle's jokes can't read at some point in the, mo the movie, yeah. has an anger management issue, mm -hmm. and maybe he's good at football. Doesn't seem like he's particularly charming at all. He mm -hmm. seems very... He's just, just hot. Yeah. He's gone into Harvard. Yeah. His dad or mom, not to be sexist, one of them yeah. at least, or maybe both, are probably big alumni contributors, if not managing the entire endowment fund of Harvard. <laughs> This is your only reasoning as to why, A, Noah gets into Harvard, and B, how they have such a huge home. They can also afford the risk, and this ties into the WTF, they can afford the risk of getting sued by kids who jump off their second floor into yes, their pool. Yes. How do you as responsible, not parents, but as responsible homeowners, <laughs> the amount of insurance that you have to pay for an open balcony to jump into the pool from the second floor has to be massive. Oh my gosh, you are so right. I love it. Yeah, Harvard, WTF, like, I, fine. I get it. It's always like, let's just reach for the stars. Like, Harvard, okay. I, I just, I don't understand why the huge leap in, like, these rom-coms. Why can't we just aim more realistically? Like, oh, maybe... Like USC? Uh, or USC, or, like, UCLA, or what's a good school that has a good football team? Like a Big Ten school or something. I don't know. Or like a Texas... I, you know what I'm trying to say? But like, why Harvard? Fine. Okay, whatever. And then my other frustration about this Harvard thing is, towards the end of the movie, Noah tells Lee, the day after prom... <laughs> 
Prom's not even the end of the year. Prom happens. There's still school yeah. after prom. But Noah tells Lee that he's going to head to Boston to settle in before the next semester. He also doesn't have... He's been absent too many times in the last quarter. He was in danger of not graduating. Yeah. You can't just disappear for the last... Where's he sleeping? Where do his parents think he is? But yeah, I just like, why would you pick up and go to Harvard? There's still school. You got to graduate. What are you going to do in Boston or Cambridge for the next four months? I don't know. I don't know how (laughs) how poppin' Cambridge is in the middle of the summer. I just didn't get the timing. Speaking of the timing, I don't understand the timing of this movie at all. We start with day one. First day of school, we're talking about the fall school fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And then very, very, very quickly, we're at prom. So There was a montage. It was like a two-minute montage. So we're led to believe that Lee does not know about them hiding their relationship for, I don't know, how long is the school year? It's a long, it's a long time. Set. It's a long time. So one, they're best friends. Two, <laughs> the brothers live in the same house. <laughs> it's not like they live separately. Yeah. And three, in the age of social media, yeah, is it possible? There actually isn't a lot of social media in this movie. There's like, they text, but no one's on Instagram or Facebook. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think anyone even mentions Instagram. But this is why I, I feel like it's so unrealistic to hide no, something from social media these days. Mm-hmm. If you are a, I don't know what generation this is at this point. Gen Z. Gen Z. Do you even exist? That's a good point. Riding motorcycles to school in high school. There's like a separate parking area for motorcycles, for motorbikes. No one in my high school is riding motorcycles to school. I don't remember any motorcycle riders either, but I also didn't go to a high school that seemingly had approximately 50 people across three grades that all liked each other and partied with each other all the time. I think we need to also remember that this is private school. We went to public school. You know, it's a very different beast, I think, if you go to private school. Fine. I don't know what that's like. I, yeah. d- I disdain the privilege in it. Mm. This school, not not people in general who come to who go to private schools, just <laughs> this particular country day school. You mentioned the parties on the public beach. Yeah. Actually, sorry. Let me add to the motorcycle situation. Okay. L rides the motorcycle back from the airport after <laughs> dropping off Noah at the end, like At the, the final end. scene. Right. How? big do we think Elle is like her leg her how how long are her legs she looks like she's five feet tall she's five two i looked up the height sorry okay sorry joey king (laughs) and this this jacob guy he looks like he's i don't know six three two hundred some odd pounds he's taller than six three but yeah he's taller yeah his legs are going to be longer i don't know what the physics are of riding a motorcycle (laughs) But I feel like you generally want to ride a motorcycle that's suited to your 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 weight and body. Mm. I don't feel like she's going to be capable of riding the same motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It's not saying she can't ride a motorcycle. Sure. But riding that motorcycle seems like a stretch. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I should have done some research on motorcycles and riding them. Because I feel like the weight distribution... Yeah, you how have do to you, lean. How do you, you adjust? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of... Is it horsepower? I don't know. Yikes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how motorcycles work. Okay, so other WTF. I want to circle back with you on the kissing booth. We mentioned this already, but I wanted to kind of give more space to it. At the kissing booth, you are also having an audience in which can watch you make out with someone. Can we just say how weird that is? That's extremely weird. Yeah, extremely weird. When you're 16 years old, do you want 
an audience watching you make out with someone? No. That's why it's ridiculous. Question. Would you have paid $5 to kiss the hottest girl in school if she were blindfolded? No. You wouldn't have. Because it doesn't mean anything to me. All, all it is, is I'm, I'm getting something for $5 that I don't deserve in any other circumstance. And the emotional weight of what that represents is totally gone. To be able to kiss the hottest girl in school implies that the hottest girl in school is willing to kiss you. Maybe and, I should amend the question. Maybe not the hottest girl, but maybe your crush. I'm going to say, I, I think no. I think the, the whole point is to have some sort of reciprocation. Like an authentic relationship. Yeah. What is the, the words that they use in Moulin Rouge? The greatest thing in the world is to be loved and loved in return. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, maybe in this case, in high school, it's to, to like somebody and to maybe also be liked a little bit or tolerated in return. Mm. Like if you have a crush, you, you want to first know that the person knows who you are, tolerates you, and, you know, in best case scenario, also likes you back. The kissing part is, is kind of peripheral to that emotional connection. And you lose all of that through some sort of, you know, $5 thing that you get up on stage and you have so much more to lose because everyone's watching you at that yeah, point. Or that's the thing. There's just, I don't see how you come out on top in that situation unless you're in such a poisonous environment where it doesn't even make sense because anyone can pay $5. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how. It's not special. It's not. I would agree with you. I don't think I would pay money to kiss someone that I've been wanting to kiss, especially at that age. I mean, I don't know if it's especially at that age, but it's just like everyone's so awkward. Like you're very unsure about yourself. You're like maybe worried about your performance of kissing in front of all these people as well. So it's just no thank you. Yeah. So not to segue too hard, but at some point, Lee almost catches Elle and Noah in, I think it's Elle's bedroom. Mm -hmm. And Lee asks, what are you doing? Watching porn? Can I join you? If that wasn't a signal to some sort of interest, like you, you don't do that with a person that you have a very sister-like platonic relationship with, <laughs> right? That's, that is a slippery slope to something else. And I feel like that was a red herring that they threw in there in the middle of the movie. Okay. Do you have any other WTFs that we might have missed? Oh, okay. I have two two more things to add. Mm -hmm. Where was Noah hiding out during Lee and, and Elle's birthday? His room was pitch black. Yes. And at the same time, he gives her some excuse later about couldn't stand to leave before I saw you, you blow out your candles or something. Yep. What kind of creep was he like... <laughs> Using his binoculars from a dark room to, to watch his brother and the girl that he loves or likes blowing out candles, you know, down one floor. Like, what's that about? Agree. That is a weird one. And then I guess the other, this is not really a WTF. This is, this is more along the lines of the inconsistent behavior of, of Noah as a character. Mm -hmm. He goes and basically tries to talk to Elle's dad, mm. right? Which is a super emotionally mature thing to do. It's it's so advanced. Okay, so hold your thought. I want to add something in here. Okay. Yes, I appreciate that Noah apologizes to Elle's dad. And I think that's a very mature thing to do. It totally is. 
But however, my one problem with this is that I don't think he actually apologizes to Elle. I don't think there's ever a heartfelt face-to-face apology. He tries to make amends by doing a public thing at prom and confessing his love for her. But I think I would have appreciated Noah a little bit more if he actually went to Elle seriously and was like, you know, I apologize for the way I've treated you. You don't deserve this. But also, yeah, sure. Still apologize to dad as well. Did he also ever apologize to his own brother? He did after prom. Oh, he did? Okay. The day he says he's going to leave for Boston. Oh, when he comes back to the... is after they get back from prom and Mm -hmm. he comes to the bedroom. Yeah, he's just an enigma. Yeah, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off about apologizing to Elle's dad. No, I just think it's inconsistent because he shows so much maturity and the rest of the movie, he's just so bad at controlling his emotions or having control over... The, the way that he behaves mm-hmm. like it's it's inconsistent writing sure okay any anything else on wtfs this is not a wtf this is more of i can't believe they did that mm-hmm. noah has a place that he goes and never takes a girl and that place <laughs> is behind the hollywood sign <laughs> yes and they have sex by the hollywood sign la gets cold at night yes it does okay you can't just sleep there and not get cold. It's not like they had blank. Sorry. I'm getting way too much into the minutia here. Yeah. But come on. Behind the Hollywood sign, that's not going to be a secret for long. Also, when you're, when you're 16, 17, I don't know. You know, you don't think about these things. You you're just back in the problems. moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk and move on to the ending. I think we've already alluded to this, but what are your thoughts on the ending? It's fine. I, I appreciate the fact that Elle stayed strong throughout the... I guess the, I don't know, the grand gesture. Mm -hmm. And she had a very clear idea in her mind to prioritize Lee over Noah Mm -hmm. because of maybe she felt guilty of what she did. And then she realized that she was sabotaging her own heart's ambitions and she changed. So sure, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. The, the actual scene where he pops up in her car as Batman (laughs) I have a little bit more of a problem with. Lee is what? I don't know, 5'10". His brother oh, is like... 5'10 in height. Yeah. yeah. His brother is like six, seven inches taller, wider. Yeah. You can't drive a car and not notice <laughs> the size of the body next to you. That's a good point. I didn't think of that, but you're absolutely right. So I just felt that was a, that was a WTF moment that mm, I missed. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I'm also kind of meh about the ending. It's fine. It was a little cringy. I'm not going to lie. The airport farewell. Like, also, if if I'm going off to college, I want my family there, too. Like, I I don't know. I mean, one of them is probably managing the Harvard Endowment in Boston waiting for him to come. <laughs> the California has probably his second family. That's awesome. And Molly Ringwald doesn't even know that there's another. Yeah, um... It was fine. I don't really have any attachments to this ending. And I'm trying to remember, I think after this movie ended, I don't think we, the public, knew that there was going to be a sequel. So I was I was happy that this was like it. Oh, you're right. I think I was okay with that. Yeah. I was like, I don't think we need a sequel. I agree with you. You mentioned this earlier that you don't think the characters are really relatable. I actually didn't write anything to this point because I did not relate to any of these characters. I think that they all live this life of 
privilege, but also just like different problems that I had growing up. I wasn't involved with a best friend's sibling. Let's talk about Lee. I think the first time we see Lee, he rolls up in a classic Mustang. Yes. Is that, it a Mustang? I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I think I read it somewhere online. I don't know what it is. It's a beautiful car. I don't know cars. It's a beautiful car. <laughs> he seems to have difficulties with the ladies. And they say that he can't dress well, I think, from, from like the Yeah, the that was a weird throwaway line. If you have that much money and you have that good of a taste in cars, or you can pay someone to have that good of a taste in cars, you cannot stay unpopular. Did you see that house? He should not be not in some sort of like casual relationship with somebody. Well, also, I just wanted to say, like, how can you tell that he's a bad dresser? Everyone's in dress code. Oh, that's true. But like for the party, for the party, he couldn't figure out what to wear for the party. Yeah. I don't even know what he wore to the party. Maybe it's such a rich school that everyone's driving a classic Mustang. Although it seems that Elle and her family come from very modest. I, yes. It's a beautiful home, but it's not like the contemporary Mm. palatial. Harvard funded Coliseum (laughs) of a house. Exactly. Speaking of Lee, I, when coming to this question of who my favorite character is, I think I came to Lee. I think it's just process of elimination. We don't like Noah. I can't really relate to Al very well. But I think the performance that Lee, the actor Joel Courtney, gives is probably the best of the three. And I think that's why I came up with him. That's fair. I felt bad for him. He seemed happy, though. I mean, other than his best friend um, lying to him for the whole year, he did... End up with a girlfriend who originally wanted to kiss her brother, but kissed her, kissed him instead and found love. Yeah, that was very convenient. My favorite character is the brawn character of this movie. And for those of you who don't know, I, I like to pick out the brawn of the Blackwater for any particular movie. Brawn from Game of Thrones. Exactly. I really like the security guard who blows up Noah's spot. Get out of here. He has two <laughs> scenes in this movie. Oh, boy. Totally inconsequential, very minor character. I just like that he broke up the cheesiness and the monotony. Although, his appearance was cheesy in itself. Yes, very cheesy. Leave it to you to pick such a random favorite character. Okay, so this is kind of a not interesting question to ask, but do the characters stay together? For two more movies. For two more movies, yes. I don't care. Yeah, that's kind of why I think I just gave this movie a low rating also. I just kind of don't care. I don't, I'm not rooting for Noah. I exactly. actually kind of want him, I feel like Elle deserves a little bit better. I'm rooting for, for Lee, not like for Lee and Elle to be a thing, right, but I'm right. rooting for him as a character, as a yeah. person. I don't think I root for Noah either. You know what this feels like? It feels like if you took the early 2000s Chad Michael Murray and you gave him some more muscle <laughs> and you took away his heart. Did you watch One Tree Hill? I did watch three seasons did of One Did you? Three or four seasons. I don't know if I've watched all of them, sure. but I've watched a lot. And it's not like I have a man crush on Chad Michael Murray, mm-hmm. but like all Noah does is smolder and be angry without any of the finer points of being like a He's a not an tragic, interesting person. He's not even a tragic character. Yeah. He's just, he's got everything that most people want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's just... Yeah, we're not rooting for him. Okay, so did the music have any meaning to you in this movie? Not really. There were some songs that were, you know, catchy, but I felt like some of the 
the music that was played in between scenes was a little bit lazy. There were a couple of scenes wow, that lazy. I, yes, it felt like they couldn't figure out what to do, so they played some very bland elevator music. If you ever watch this movie again, just listen for the the, the transitions. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't know if I would go so far to say it was lazy. I thought it was an appropriate, like, use of music in the tone of this movie. Like, it was very lighthearted and silly, mm. so I didn't really get anything out of the music. Although I do appreciate the few 80s nods. Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds from The Breakfast Club, which, wink wink, Molly Ringwald was in, Right Here, Right Now, and Safety Dance. Like, those are the 80s songs that I really that I know and I was like, oh, that's that's a nice nod to, to the music in this movie. But I do want to compare contrast this soundtrack to to All the Boys I've Loved Before, the first film. That movie is, I think, a movie that does a good job in using music as transitions. Oh. All those songs in that movie were new to me. So and were they so, originals? No, I don't think they're originals. They were new to me. Maybe it's just because I'm much older i'm out of that age group of like new music today but it grabbed me but i was looking at the soundtrack for this movie and it's none of these songs were like new or interesting to me when you were comparing this and contrasting it to to all the boys Mm -hmm. i i had a thought which is it feels like to all the boys was a movie that was intended to try to be a good movie and to tell a compelling story. Mm-hmm. Like, they set out with a goal. This movie doesn't feel like that. They weren't trying to say a anything. Whole lot. <laughs> right. Like, it feels like the, the production quality was meh. It felt formulaic. It was held together by abs and peppiness. Obviously, the, CO, the CCO or whatever organization said that it's one of the most watched movies in the world. This formula is working, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like they set out to make a good movie. I agree with you. And I think that a really big difference between To All the Boys and The Kissing Booth is that there's no heart in this movie for me. There's no moments of tenderness for me in this. But To All the Boys, there's so many other touch points. Mm -hmm. It's about a teenager like trying to find out who she is, independent of boys. It's about her relationship with her family, and namely her sisters. And I'm biased, but I think that, yeah, she's an Asian American teen also. So I identify with that a little bit more. So that pulls at my heartstrings a little bit more. But this movie, I'm not really reaching for any, this doesn't feed me anything. Yeah. It's almost like they're trying to create a situation where people can't truly identify. <laughs> and that's okay. And, too. And it's like an escape. It's, that's okay too. It's an escapist. It's right. A cheap oh. <laughs> flavor of the month. Escapist movie. <laughs> Those are harsh words. But yeah, I mean like it's, and I've clearly rewatched this more than once. It's not, you know, that maybe just shows the type of person I am. Even if a movie is not great, I will still revisit it. So I don't know. They're it's, doing, they're doing, it's fine. Yeah, they're it's doing fine. something. It's, it's, fine. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so trivia. I have a few points here. So filming actually took place in LA and South Africa, Cape Town, actually. Joey King won the 2019's Kids Critics' Choice Award for Best Actress. Oh, congratulations. Joey King and Jacob Elordi, who plays Noah, dated in real life for approximately one and a half years during production. So I think Hollywood gossip is that they had broken up by the time Kissing Booth 2 was in production, but they still have to act like a couple. So hats off to them. 
for doing that. That must have been really potentially very awkward and an uncomfortable situation to be working with your ex. Joel Courtney, who plays Lee, is actually one year older than Noah. Oh, he has a baby face. Yeah. And I mentioned this earlier at the end of this movie, Joey King dresses up as Catwoman, but she's in The Dark Knight Rises as Talia al Ghul. And then the author, Beth Rickles, was only 15 when she started to write this story. She ultimately self-published this story on an app called Wattpad. I hope she made some bank off of this. I'm assuming she did because she's she has three. Her IP gave her two more movies to bank off of. I don't actually know how authors of books that sell the rights to the IP, like sometimes they, they don't get paid based on how much the... Yeah, I, I would be curious to see what the the payout is of that. Do you think we could get her on this podcast? <laughs> My light research about Kissing Booth 2 is that she actually wrote the book and then the movie came out very quickly after. So Kissing Booth 3, which is supposed to be coming out summer of 2021, this summer, the book has not been published yet. Oh, it hasn't. I don't know. And the film has already been filmed and is in post-production. They actually filmed Kissing Booth 2 and 3 back to back. So... Maybe it'll be like Game of Thrones, where they just had to figure out what Oh, George... Game of yeah. Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last takes, last thoughts. We can wrap this up. I, I regret watching it a second time. <laughs> but yet you gave it a six, mid-six? Oh, no, high fives. I gave it a high five because the because of the first time that I watched it. Mm. I, I didn't want to discount the anticipation of the twist that never came. Yeah. So my question to you is, are we going to talk about Kissing Booth 2? No. I mean, we aren't. You can. <laughs> so since we're not, you just did not like that movie. I was t- that was worse. Much worse. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's like a four. It was, oh, okay. 4.2? 3? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't have any last takes, but... Now streaming on Netflix. I mean, I would... Am I going to reach for this movie again? Oh, wait, did I miss a question? I totally missed one of the questions. Is that, is this, you know, movie beloved or popular? Do you need to ask that question? Well, so by the sheer fact that there'll be three movies, I'm led to believe that there's some kind of belovedness towards this. If the first movie did not do well, there would not have been a two or three. That's true. I I don't know what beloved has to do with a whole lot. I mean, Twilight's beloved by some people. And Is it? I don't know. I've they made the three. Books. I think more. There's more than three Twilight movies? I don't know. I only watched one. But yeah, I don't think this is... I would not call this one of Netflix's best rom-coms, original rom-coms. I would definitely put The Princess Switch above this. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to watch the third one. Don't get me wrong when it comes out this summer. I think a lot of people are drawn to this movie because of Jacob Elordi, who, by the way, is dating Kaya Gerber, who is Cindy Crawford's daughter. And he did date Zendaya before that. So, you know, he's, he he's is desired. A, he's he's a, desirable. Yeah. I, I actually wonder, with all of the 80s callbacks... Mm-hmm. Are they actually catering this movie to people who are in their 40s? Mm-hmm. I would love to see the age demographic of people who have rewatched this movie because it's so it's so gratuitous hmm. in its sexuality and all of the self-referential components of The Breakfast Club and all of these things that you were able to identify from the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. Is this movie made for people who are not super, you know, teens anymore? who are not trying to identify with these characters, but are just looking for something that kind of takes them back a little bit and brings them back to their youth. 
I think it's a little bit of a reach to say that this movie's made for women in their 40s. I think women in their 40s will watch this if they have literally nothing else to do. But I agree with you in the sense that who are these people who are appreciating the callbacks of Molly Ringwald and the 80s? Like, her movies actually came out, like, a little bit before or right as we were born. Uh. So, like, I didn't grow up watching those because by the time I was of age to watch Mm -hmm. those, those were, like, quote-unquote old movies already. So... Yeah, I I think, I mean, I mentioned this again earlier, is that, like, I don't think movies need to be good for them to be rewatched, and I fall under that camp. So I think that there's a lot of people out there like me. It doesn't matter if it's, like, a critically beloved film. It's still enjoyable. It's still fun. It's an escape. You do you. You do you. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Frank, for taking the time to rewatch this and talking about this movie with me. I'm so glad to be here, and thank you for letting me vent. This felt like a, a therapy session. Oh. And uh, I'm glad we were able to to talk. I'm glad. To all tuning in, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly, and please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we would love to hear from you. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye. Thank you.